Everybody said amen. Clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise tonight. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you this evening. You may be seated. We're going to have a great Bible study. This is a study that I do from time to time. I look back today, and I have not done this in four years. So I, I wanted to hand out some handouts to you. There, there's some blanks on there. I'll help you fill in the blanks as we go. But I want to talk tonight about one of the most vital subjects in the Scripture. When the Lord got ready to speak to Israel, the first thing or one of the first things he said to them was this, and it's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and you can read it with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt, <clears throat> pardon me, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way." And when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. This was so important to God that he said through Moses, he said, he said this, Hear, O Israel, I want you to tell everybody, tell your kids, tell your neighbors, tell your friends, put it in your house, put it up where everybody can see it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So I'm going to teach you a little Bible study tonight, and I hope I can help you if you're in this room this evening and you don't understand. This is something that is very important that we understand. First of all, I'm going to do this on two Wednesday nights. This evening, I'll be talking about the mighty God. Next Wednesday night, I'll be talking about the mighty God in Christ. And what it's going to cover is the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament tonight, mainly, I'll talk about who God is and what God is and how we know God. But this is very, 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 very important. Because if there's any truth we believe, it's Deuteronomy chapter 6. I believe all of the Bible, but I believe that that is a very special scripture that the Lord gave to Israel. And he said, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. So the first blank that you have there, and I'm just going to be very elementary tonight, it just says, we are, and there's a blank there, and you need to write oneness right there. We believe, everybody say this with me, we believe there's only one God. Now, I didn't say that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He said that. The Bible says that. I will not teach anything to you the next two Wednesday night. The Bible doesn't say Here's what we have been accused of in the Pentecostal church. We have been accused of being Jesus only. So that next blank said, we are not Jesus only. We believe and do not deny the Father or the Holy Ghost. 
As a matter of fact, we believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. We believe that. So keep that in mind as I talk. We just do not believe that the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost are three separate and distinct persons. We believe that, and you'll understand this as we move along, that the Father is a spirit. Now, I, I, I hope that, that you will write down any question you have because I will answer them by the word of the Lord if, when, when this is all said and done tonight. Many of you understand this. Some of you will not understand this. But if I'm in the word of the Lord, how many of you agree that if I stay in the book, we all got to believe what I'm teaching here tonight? Amen? It's not going to be my theology. It's not going to be my ideas. Everything I say to you this evening will come straight from the word of the Lord. So let's begin by talking about the mighty God of the Old Testament. And in, in the next blank is this. There is only, and write the word one there. There's only one God. Now, how do I know that? Let me tell you how I know that. Because in Exodus 20 and verse 3, it said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In 2 Samuel 7:22, the Bible said, Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Amen? Psalms 86 says this, For thou art great, and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. You can't be God alone and have another God. He is God alone. Isaiah 43, verse 10, That ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am, am he before me that there was no god formed neither shall there be after me i even i am the lord and beside me there is no savior hallelujah just stay with me now i'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna deliver the word here tonight isaiah 44 thus saith the lord the king of israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. The eighth verse said, Is there any God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Everybody say with me. There is only, come on, I need your help. There is only one God. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. The 24th verse of Isaiah 44 said, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, and spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. 45 of Isaiah and verse 6, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from, from, and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I'm going to keep reading. The 45th chapter, the 21st verse. There is no God else beside me. 
a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. The 22nd verse said, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Folks, if that don't establish to you, now there's more scriptures here, but if that doesn't establish that he is God, and he is God alone, and there is no other, and there's none beside him, there is none above him, there is none like him, he is the only God. You believe that? Amen. Malachi, I'll read that last, last verse there. Malachi 2 and 10. Have we not all one Father, hath not one God created us? So, here's the next blank. He is the mighty God. Everybody believe that? Say amen. There's no other God. There's not a bigger God. There's not a God beside him. There's not a God that helped him. He is God, and he is God alone. The mighty God is talked about in Genesis 17 when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And then again, he said it in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3. So here's where we go next. Watch this. In, in, in number seven there on your page, here's a blank. What is the nature? Write that in. What is the nature of God? What is God? Who is God? What is God? So what is the nature of God? Listen to me right now. Here's the next blank. God is a spirit. You know who we felt here or who we feel here when we come to the house of the Lord? Who you feel when you get in an all-fired prayer meeting? We feel the spirit and the Spirit is God. I want you to watch me right here. God is not a person. I'll read it to you from the Word of the Lord. John 4, 24 said, God is a Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. He is, and here's the next blank, God is invisible. You can't see. I can see the results of a Spirit, but you cannot see a Spirit. Amen? If I get mad, you can tell by my actions. If I'm, I mean, I could, go, I could go a lot of different directions here. You can see the results of a spirit, but you can't see the spirit. God is invisible. The Bible said in John 1.18, no man hath seen God at any time. And Colossians 1.15 said, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And 1 Timothy 1.17 said, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So here's what we have to establish in the very beginning of our lesson tonight. God is a spirit and God is invisible. God is not a person. If he was a person, he would be visible. Besides that, I'll just throw you a bone tonight, and we'll talk about this next Wednesday night. If God is a person, Mary wasn't a virgin. Does that make sense? If Mary, if we believe, how many of you believe in the virgin birth of Christ? You believe he was born of a virgin? 
Well, then, then God being the Spirit, I'm going to talk about it in depth next week, God being the Spirit overshadowed Mary. But if God was a person, then Mary wasn't a virgin. God is not a person. You have to establish that. He is the invisible God. Now watch this. Here's, here's some more of the nature of God. God is, and fill in the blank here, omnipresent. You know what that word means? He is at all places, at all times. He feels all space and time. He can be in this church, and he can be across the river at the Pentecostals of the Twin Cities, and he can be in Ravel, Louisiana, and he can be in London, England, and he can be in Anchorage, Alaska, and he can be in New York City all at the same time because he is an omni present God. That means he fills all space and all time. Aren't you glad that you don't have to wait your turn for God to make the rounds in the world and come back around to where we can feel him again? But guess what? We can feel him tonight and they can feel him all over this world because he is an omnipresent God. Here's the scripture. The Bible said in 1 Kings, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold the heaven of heavens. Uh, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I have builded. In Isaiah he said, thus saith the Lord, the heaven is thy throne and the earth is thy footstool. And David said, whether shall I go from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from thy presence? He said, if I ascend to the heavens, he's there. If I make my bed in hell, He's there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as, of, as the day, and the darkness and the light both alike to thee are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. He is the omnipresent God. You can feel him anywhere at any time that you want to touch him because he fills all space and all time. He is not relegated to time or space. He is the omnipresent God. That don't light your fire, your wood's wet. You can feel them on a deer stand. You can feel them in your kitchen. You can feel him driving down the road. You can whisper his name and feel him in the bean field. Come on now. He's the omnipresent God. He's not relegated to just his house. He's everywhere. Guess what else he is? Write this in your next blank. God is omniscient. That's spelled O-M-N-I. S-C-I-E-N-T, omniscient. That means God knows everything. Everybody say that with me. God knows everything. You can't hide from God. He knows everything. I may not know everything. You may not know everything, but God knows everything. 
Here's, here's, a, here's a scripture for you, and it's, it's again out of the book of Psalms 139. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsetting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. He's the only God and he knows everything. And he fills all space and time. This is the nature of God. Here's another thing. Write this down. He is omnipotent. Excuse me. Omnipotent. O-M-N-I. P-O-T-E-N-T. You know what that word means? He has all power. He has all power. Here's the scriptures. He said, I let let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that that are, the powers that be are ordained of God. So he is omniscient, he's omnipresent, and he's omnipotent. That means he knows everything. He is everywhere, and there's no power like the power of God. That's the character and the nature of God. I'm telling you, that's the kind of God we serve. Furthermore, furthermore, watch me now. The next blank is this. God is eternal. Somebody say eternal. Do you know what eternal means? Go look it up in your own dictionary. Eternal means he had no beginning and he has no ending. He was here before there was a world. Your finite mind can't understand the eternal God because he was God before the morning stars sang together. That's according to the scripture. He is the eternal God. As a matter of fact, Deuteronomy 33 said, the eternal God is thy refuge. The eternal God. First Timothy said, now unto the king eternal. That means he had no beginning. He has no ending. Let me throw you another bone. Jesus is not eternal. Think about that. Because he wouldn't have said he was the only begotten son. He had a beginning. And you can find it in a manger in Bethlehem. He's not eternal. I got your attention. Stay with me. The God of the Old Testament was invisible. He was omnipresent. He was omnipotent. He was omniscient. He's eternal. Guess what? He's immutable. You know what that means? Unchanging. That's your next blank. Immutable. I-M-M-U-T-A-B-L-E. He's unchanging. Malachi 3.6 said, he said, for I am the Lord and I change not. I'm not changing. And guess what? God has a will. That's your next blank. He has a will for who hath resisted his will. God has a will. So then, then, God, then God has, the, the next thing I want to talk about is God's moral attributes, okay? Here's what God is as, as far as moral attributes. Just And I'll, I'm not reading all these scriptures. I don't have time to do that. But under that, you see love. God is love, the Bible said. You see light. The Bible said God is light. The Bible said God is holy. Amen? God has mercy. These are attributes of God. He's righteous. He's good. He's perfection. He's justice. 
He's faithfulness. He's truth and he's grace. Take your Bible and read those scriptures when you get home that are out beside those words and you'll find out that these are the moral attributes of God. Now, let's, let's talk about because when you say God is invisible, people say, oh, no, 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 no. They, he was seen in the Old Testament. I want you to remember a word I'm about to tell you, and every, every Bible scholar will take you to this word because this, this is true. How many of y'all believe God's a donkey? Not a hand in this building, but God spoke to a donkey. How many of y'all believe God's a bush? Nobody here, but God spoke through a bush. Am I making sense? So in the Old Testament, and this is in your notes. I want you to take it home with you and study it. There are theophanies of God. A theophany is a visible manifestation of God and usually temporary. God appeared unto Abraham in a vision, and he appeared as a smoking furnace and a burning lamp and at one time, as, or at times, as a man. He appeared that way. God appeared unto Jacob in a dream as a man. God appeared unto Moses in a cloud of glory and in fire on Mount Sinai, spoke to him face to face in the tabernacle and revealed him his back, the partial glory, but not his face, all of his glory. You can read that in Exodus where Moses said, I want to see you. He said, you can't see me and live. But I'm going to put you in a cleft in a rock, and I'm going to pass by, and you can see my hinder pots. He saw a theophany, a manifestation of God. You can't see God because God's a spirit. But God can appear as a donkey or a bush or a cloud by day or a fire by night or whatever he chooses to appear, and he did many times in the Old Testament. God manifest himself to Israel, all of Israel, through thundering, lightning, a, a cloud, a voice of a trumpet, smoke, fire, earthquakes, all of that. Job saw God in a whirlwind. We know God's not a whirlwind. But Job said, I saw him in the whirlwind. He saw a manifestation of God. Various prophets saw visions of God. Ezekiel, Daniel, and on it goes. He appeared as an angel in places. The Bible said the angel of the Lord appeared unto Moses in the burning bush. But then, but then, says, God talked to Moses on that occasion. You, you, the two scriptures are listed there for you to take that in. So we know that God's not an angel. We know that God's not a bush. We know that God's not a cloud. We know that God's not a fire. God is a spirit. The Bible specifically says God is a spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, hear me right now. There's two things to remember when you're talking about the Godhead, the spirit and the flesh. What we will talk about next week is the, the flesh part of God, where God manifests himself in the flesh. I, I hope you're here next week because let me tell you, next week is going to be revealing, as to this, this is laying the groundwork, revealing to let you see and know who and what God really is. Let me just give you an idea. Let me, let me show you something real quick. You see this bottle? This bottle has water in it. What's the scientific name for this water? What, what do they call it? H2O. I don't know much about science. I hated science in school. That was a bunch of, I didn't need science to preach. 
but it's coming in handy right now. So this is H2O. Am I right? Now, if I take this tonight and I put it in a freezer and I go get it in the morning, what do you call it? Nice. Still H2O. Right? Still H2O. Or I can take it home tonight and take one of my wife's pots out and pour it over in there, put it on the stove, and this stuff starts coming up, and the water starts going down, and the stuff starts coming up that's called steam. But guess what? It's still H2O. It's H2O right now. It's H2O when you have steam. It's H2O when you have ice. But it's all H2O. You want me to give you another analogy? Here we go. You ready? You see this guy right here? Does anybody know my name? What is it? Danny Chance. Not but a few of us in this world. I've met one of them. But guess what? I'm a husband, Freddie. And guess what else I am? I'm a father. And guess what else I am? She'll tell you I'm a son. I've been her son for longer than we both like to remember. But guess what? When you need me, you don't call father. When you need me, you don't call son. When you want to get my attention, you don't say, hey, husband. How many husbands in this room tonight? If you're sitting by your wife, it'd be good that you declare it right now. Okay? We're all husbands. How many fathers in this room tonight? So if I stood up here and said, hey, brother, father, you stand up. How many's going to stand up? All the fathers. Who's a son here? Every male, put your hand up. And if you don't put your hand up, I'm worried about you understanding what you really are. You may be one of those of this new generation. But see, here's, here's, here's what I'm trying to get through to you right now. I'm going to talk way more about this next week. But what you have to understand is the manifestations of the one God. Because God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And all the things that we read about him in the Old Testament, all the things that, that are revealed to us and how he comes to us and how we see him through the theophanies and through the scriptures and his declarations of there's nobody like me and there's no other God and I'm the only God, doesn't mean that he is a separate God from what we're going to study next week. It just means that he is the manifestation of the true and living God. By many ways, he has manifested himself. So, so this is what we're establishing now. The God of the Old Testament was not a God of flesh. He didn't walk upon this earth. He did not, he did not declare himself flesh. He always came when he needed to come in the way that he needed to come, and he manifest himself to whatever cause or whatever situation he needed, he needed to manifest himself to. Does everybody understand that? Let me go a little further. See, God used names and titles in the Old Testament to progressively reveal himself. Names were more significant in the Old Testament, and, and they often depicted history or character or the nature of individuals. For instance, God changed Abram to Abraham. He changed his name. Remember 
Remember Jacob? You know what Jacob meant? Does anybody know what Jacob meant? Everybody say this with me. Trickster or supplanter. Jacob was a trickster. You, you remember Jacob's story? I got I to get you. This, this, is, this is good stuff. You got to remember this. Jacob, when he was born, he was a twin to Esau. But Esau came into the world first. But Jacob, when he came out, had out of his mother's womb, he had, had his hand on Esau's heel. He, from that moment as a baby, was trying to get the blessing and the birthright. And eventually, he got it. And so they called him Jacob, which was a trickster or a supplanter. But guess what God did? When God got ready to change him, he got the birthright. He stole it from his brother, had to leave home, was gone for 20 years, worked seven years and got an old ugly Leah, and he wanted Rachel, so he worked seven more years and got Rachel. And then he stayed six and a half more years with Uncle Laban. And, and, and when, when, he, when he left, headed back, decided to go back to his homeland, he was met by Esau and 400 men of his army or of his family, and, and he was scared for his own life. So he had an encounter by a brook with God, and God wrestled with him as a man all night long. And when he got ready to win the battle, he touched Jacob's thigh, and Jacob limped for the rest of his life, kind of like I'm limping tonight. But he limped for the rest of his life. But let me tell you what else he did. He said, your name is not going to be Jacob anymore. You're no longer a trickster or a supplanter. He said, I want to change your name to Israel, for thou art a prince with God and with man. You want to know where the nation of Israel come from? From the loins of a trickster and a supplanter that was changed by God to Israel. So names meant something. Names depicted character, history, events. And, and, and so if you read in Genesis 1, we find the name Elohim. Remember that name. This word is used more than any other in the Old Testament to mean God. It's a plural word. It's a plural word that denotes the greatness, the majesty, and the many attributes of God. Go check me out. Yahweh, or Jehovah, is the redemptive name of God in the Old Testament. Exodus 6, 3 and 8, 3 through 8. And the unique name by which the one true God distinguished himself in the Old Testament from all of the gods. Now, all your scriptures are listed here, and I'm just reading off these notes. There are many other names that are used in the Old Testament to describe God. I'm going to give you some of them tonight. I want you to see what they mean. Look at all the compound names of God in the Old Testament. Guess what? Jehovah Jireh. You know, we sing the song, Jehovah Jireh. You know what Jehovah Jireh means? The Lord will see. The Lord will see. Jehovah Rapha. You know what Jehovah Rapha means? He was called that in Exodus 15, the Lord that heals. He was named many 
compound names of the Old Testament. I'm not going to go through them all. They're listed right here for you. But here's what you need to establish about the God of the Old Testament and fill in this blank. There is only one God. He was called Jehovah Elion, Jehovah Ra, Jehovah Zitkanu, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Sabbath, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Jehovah. Uh, Imkadesh and Jehovah Nisa and, and on and on it goes and all of these depicted something else about the nature and the character of God. So here's what we got to understand. Notice this. Be there in your notes. God is a spirit. Everybody say God's a spirit. God is eternal. Put that in your notes. No beginning, no ending. I'm going to give you time. God is invisible, but manifests himself through theophanies all throughout the Old Testament. And we wrote it, but we're writing it again. God is three things, omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. Okay? I want to establish that. God is the creator of all things. He said, I, I read you the scripture in Isaiah, I alone stretched forth the heavens and the earth. I want to ask you a question. Can you be alone and be with somebody? Quiet in here. It's an honest question. Can you be alone and have anybody else with you? How many of you believe God told the truth? Well, then go, go to the third chapter of, of, uh, of Genesis and when he said, let us make man in our image, he didn't have anybody with him. Let me tell you what God did when he said, let us. And see, this is a scripture that some people troubled with. Let us make man in our image. Here's what God did. God looked 4,000 years into time, and he saw the body that he was going to put on. Because God knows all things. And he saw the body that he was going to put on. And he said, he, the Bible said in Romans 4, 17, that he, he spoke of those things that were not as though they were. I believe he counseled with his own will. And he said, you know what? I'm going to make Adam the same way I'm going to be. This is why the Bible said, and I, I'm just telling you, this is all in the Bible, that Adam was the first Adam, but Jesus Christ was the second Adam. Think about that. So, so God, when he said, let us make man, you, you, you can't be by yourself and with somebody. Either God's lying. I don't believe God lies to you. I don't believe God lied a bit. He said, let us make man. The angels didn't help him because he said, I did it by myself. Nobody was there to help him create the heavens and the earth, but he looked 4,000 years into time. He knew the fall of mankind. He knew that he was going to put on a body, and that's why the Bible called Adam the first Adam and Jesus Christ the second Adam because he made Adam in the image of what he was going to be when he was born at Bethlehem's manger, and that was the second Adam. Does that make sense? Clear as mud? Hope you got it. God is immutable, unchanging. God is our heavenly Father. God is our heavenly Father. God is the almighty God. His names of the Old Testament tell us what kind of God he is. He's our provider. Woo. He's our healer. 
He's our victory. He's our peace. He's the almighty God. That means he is the the holy God of the eternal ages. He's our shepherd. He's our maker. He's our righteousness. And on and on it goes. So you've got to understand that the God of the Old Testament to understand the God of the New Testament. And here's a great revelation. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Here's what you have to understand tonight. And I want this, this is a core value of the church. Let me take you very quickly tonight. Y'all don't mind if I sit down a minute, do you? I'm going to sit down because my legs hurt. Yeah. But I had an MRI done at 645 this morning, and I'm just, you know what? We're going to be okay. Uh, the core value of this is that to show you how valuable it is, do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew when he asked his disciples, whom do men say that I am? Remember that? One of the disciples spoke up and said, well, I heard somebody say you were Jeremiah. And another one said, well, I heard you were Isaiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus stopped them and he said to them, you can read this in Matthew 16. He said to them, but whom do you say that I am? And, and, and there's this guy that, that boldly steps out. His name is Simon. And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And guess what Jesus did? He said, Simon Bar-Jonah, flesh and blood hath not revealed that unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. I want you to say this with me right now. Knowing who God was was a divine revelation to Simon Peter. It was a, God said it, I didn't. Jesus looked at him and he said, you're flesh and blood. You didn't learn this in the fifth grade. You didn't learn this in, in, in whatever school you went to. Flesh and blood didn't teach you that. My Father, which is in heaven, gave you that revelation. So guess what he did? He handed the man with the revelation of who he was, the keys to the kingdom of God. And he said, thou art Peter. That's the first time he'd been called Peter. God changed him right there. He was Simon. But he said, now thou art Peter. You know what Peter means? The rock. He said, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm going to give you, Simon Peter, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. And whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. Well, guess what? It was Simon Peter that preached the message of salvation in Acts chapter 2 to the Jews. Guess who preached in Acts chapter 10 to the Gentiles? Simon Peter. It was he who brought the message of salvation. And it was all predicated upon a divine revelation of who God is. Now, I hope you get that. This is how important this lesson is. Because we have to understand as a church who God is. When we were, look, what we've been feeling around here 
is God. I haven't seen God walk down the aisle, but I felt him. I haven't seen God ascend out of the clouds, but I know he's here. Do you? Do you, do you know what I'm saying when I say we feel God? We, the spirit of God is here. God is the spirit. And, and, and so what we have is God the Father. He is the, we don't deny the Father. God is the Father. But here's what happened, and this is where I'm going next week, and if you miss it, you're going to miss the rest of the revelation because here's what happened. God saw man in his humanity and his sin, and he said, I've got to go to the world to save mankind. And God put on flesh. God overshadowed Mary, and she became pregnant with a child. And God was the father of Jesus Christ as well as the father. He's our heavenly father, but he was the father of Jesus Christ. That's why next week I want to talk to you about Jesus who was begotten and Jesus who was 100% God, yet 100% man. I'm going to give you many scriptures where God was manifest in that flesh and this was not another God, but it was God who left the ivory palaces of glory. He wasn't another person. He was the only person of God. You will never find another person of God. John said in the book of Revelation, he said, I saw one that sitteth upon the throne. One. One. So, this is who God is. He is love. He is light. He is peace. He is joy. He is righteousness. But next week, I want to talk to you about who Jesus is. The mighty God was in Christ. So I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to ask you for any question you want to ask, and no question is too dumb. No question. Brother Jim? Wait a minute. I can't hear up here. I, uh, my hearing aids ain't that good. Y'all know I got AIDS, one in each year. Do what? His daddy preached on that uh, Moses, you know, and he was talking about how he got the uh, the words to write all the, the books. And he explained that about why man can't see the face of God and live. And I, I don't remember what he said. Can you explain that? The Bible said no man has seen God at any time, but but I don't know, I don't know what you'd be referring to except that where God said, where Moses said, "I want to see you," and He said, "You can't see me and live." God said that, "You can't see me and live." Well, G and I preached a lot of sermons, but I can't pull that rabbit out of the hat. Amen. No, I understand. I understand. You're not going to trick me because there ain't no trick to it. I know, I know what, I, what I believe, but the, the facts are, Brother Jim, I, can't, I can only tell you that the Bible said no man can see God and live or no man has seen God. Joseph. Yes. Good. Sure. Man, 
I'm going to answer that so in-depth next week, you, it's going to blow your mind. But I'm going to tell you a little bit right now, okay? You ready for this? There's two words that you've got to remember when you're talking about the Godhead. The Bible said the fullness of the Godhead, talking about Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily, and we are complete in him. God, or Jesus, was God in flesh. Now, I'm going to cover all this, but here's what happened when, when Jesus prayed and said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Understand this, God can't die. God's a spirit. So wait wait just a minute. Here's what happened. I want you to understand this. When Jesus knelt to pray and said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He taught the disciples to pray that. When he prayed at Calvary and he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he also prayed, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. So we know, I, I, I read the scripture to you where God has a will. But God the Spirit had to leave the body of Jesus Christ before he could die. That's why on the cross, the Spirit left the body. The body died. They took the body. They put it in a grave. I'm going to cover this next week. They put it in a grave, wrapped him in grave clothes, put him in a grave. The Spirit had left the body. Jesus could have never died until God the Spirit left the body. But here's what happened. Three days later, with the Roman soldiers, with all the tomb and, and all the seals and everything else they'd done, the spirit went right back into that tomb and touched that body. And guess what? This, the, the spirit raised the body back up. So Jesus, the flesh of Jesus, was praying to the spirit. How do we know he's flesh? He ate, he drank, he slept, he wept. He did everything we do as a man. But, but yet he, he had... He had to pray like we had to pray. He went to the garden before, Gets, before Calvary in Gethsemane and prayed, the Bible said, until sweat came as of great, great drops of blood. So he was praying to his heavenly Father. What you're going to understand next week is who the Father of Jesus really is. He's not an earthly man. He's a spirit. So he, it was his flesh praying to the spirit. Does that help you? Okay. Now, I don't want to leave it unclear for you. You ask any question, that's... That's a great question, and that's a good question. Okay? Anybody else?